This is PhotoBizX, episode number 419, and you need to get ready to have your mind blown or be made to feel very, very old because we are talking NFTs, which are non-fungible tokens. Think cryptocurrency, but for photography. And our special guest is trading in this market right now. I'm talking about Jesse Dittmar, and that interview is coming up in just a minute. Are you planning to have a successful wedding and portrait photography business? Join Andrew as he interviews successful photographers and business experts to fast track your success. Welcome to the Photo Biz Exposed podcast with your host, Andrew Helmich. Hey, it's Andrew Helmich here from Impact Images and welcome to this episode of the podcast. Like I said in the intro, <laughs> get ready to have your mind blown in this one. And if you feel that NFTs or cryptocurrencies are are totally out of your league, not something that you're interested in or you don't want to know about, please stick around and listen to what Jesse has to share because I was very, very lost at the beginning of this interview. I had no idea what NFTs are or were. I don't have a real good understanding of the cryptocurrency and blockchain technology. I was approaching this interview as a total beginner And Jesse was amazing in helping me wrap my head around this whole thing. And I really do believe, like Jesse does, that there is a massive future here for photography, for photographers, for art in general. And you'll be doing yourself a disservice if you don't at least have some understanding of how all this works. And I know you're going to love what he has to share. So stick around for that. I do have a couple of announcements I want to get into quickly before we start the interview. The first is, if you didn't catch last week's interview with Angela Percival, it was a big shift from the usual interview. There hasn't been a ton of feedback, to be honest, following that interview, so I don't know if I missed the mark entirely. But to give you some idea, if you haven't tuned in to hear that one, Angela basically created a job for herself as a photographer for a company. Now, when I say she created a job for herself, it's a bloody fantastic job. She gets to travel the world and photograph extreme sports for this primarily clothing company, Arcteryx, and she gets to photograph these amazing athletes doing what they do best, whether that's rock climbing, ice climbing, skiing, mountain biking, bushwalking, or trail running, you know, whatever it may be, she is the one that's out there photographing or creating the images for their catalogs. So to me, she has created the most incredible job for herself. So get back and have a listen to that one. It's not going to be 100% relevant to you and your wedding or portrait photography business, but I still think it's an inspiring story. And one of those interviews you get to tune into and just chill out for a minute, just enjoy someone else's story instead of uh, coming at it from a note-taking business idea extravaganza. It's, It's a totally different interview to that. Okay, and the other quick thing I want to share with you after the interview with Jesse is if you are a personal branding photographer or thinking about getting into personal branding and taking on a mentor or doing a course to hit the ground running, Paula Brennan, who I interviewed a couple of weeks ago, who blew us away with her $10,000 days, is opening up her breakthrough classes. There's a special rebate offer for members. I'll have more details about that after the interview with Jesse. Okay, one last little tidbit before we get into this interview with Jesse. In the interview, which was recorded a few weeks ago now, 
we talked about the actual pricing of the Ethereum currency, which was around three and a half thousand US dollars for a single Ethereum. And don't stress if you don't know exactly what I'm talking about yet, because I couldn't even say Ethereum (laughs) until I recorded the interview with Jesse. But now, as this recording goes live, the price of Ethereum has dipped and it's around 1830 US dollars. So it's just about half of what we're talking about in the interview. And that's the nature of cryptocurrency. It is very volatile. And this is why Jesse talks about doing your due diligence, doing your research before you get into this space. But I just want you to be aware of those numbers as we go into this interview. So at the time of recording, one Ethereum was three and a half thousand US dollars. Today, that single Ethereum is 1800 or valued at 1830 US dollars. So about half of what we're talking about in the interview. Alrighty, that's enough from me. Let's get into this interview with Jesse Dittmar. Welcome to another great eye for business. It's time for Andrew's special guest. I first interviewed Jesse Dittmar for episode 303 of the podcast. He's a commercial and editorial photographer based in New York City who has worked with clients like the Washington Post, Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, and Apple, to name a few. Now, a lot of his work is centered around celebrity portraiture, where he has photographed people like or including Tom Hanks, Denzel Washington, David Letterman, Sting, Serena Williams, and the cast of Star Wars, to name another few. I loved recording that interview, especially chatting about how he became an assistant for Annie Leibovitz. But more recently, I learned that Jesse launched an NFT gallery. He's one of the first photographers in this space, and he says... It's potentially a huge and new revenue stream for photographers. But he also added, I'm not sure if this is too far out there for your audience, but it is the future of art. I was definitely interested to learn more. And yes, we will cover what NFTs are if you're as unsure as I was. But firstly, I'm wrapped to say that Jesse is back here with us now. Jesse, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Andrew. That was a really nice intro. I appreciate it. <laughs> it's my pleasure. It's so good to talk to you again. Mate, before we get into NFTs, how is business in general? How's it been for you, like through COVID, through the pandemic? Are you still working? Yeah, definitely still working. You know, it's it slowed down significantly. When you take portraits of people and you like to be closer than six feet from them, that provides a challenge in today's environment. But it didn't stop completely. And I photographed some really interesting people in the last year. And I'm happy and proud to say that my business is still running for sure. Unreal. So how has it been navigating COVID? Like, are you dealing with agents who are saying, you know, have you taken all the precautions that we need? Do you have to prove you've taken precautions or is it just depending on who the client is? Yeah, it depends on who the client is. But I just got a negative COVID test for photographing a celebrity on Wednesday. This Wednesday, I have to photograph them. And I just had to go get a quick COVID. It's easy to get a COVID test in New York City. So uh, but yeah, I'm getting a lot of, co- I probably get tested more than the average person. Right. And have you had to change your style the way you should, are you using longer lenses than usual? In the beginning I did, but as we learned more about the virus and everything involved in it and how much masking matters. And if you're outside specifically, which a lot of my shoots have changed to outside. So that's a big difference is that a lot of shoots have been outside. I've been doing, I've done very few of any inside. And so when you're outside, you know, you've got double masks on and you're generally staying 
a couple of feet away from them. I, I have brought longer lenses, but it's not my preference. And the rest of my style, honestly, I already tried to keep it so simple that I haven't had to change too much. If anything, the nice thing is there's less people around, which is great for me. <laughs> That's so good. Mate, it's so good to hear that things are going well and you haven't had to change too much and, you know, and business is still running. Is the pandemic and COVID, is that the reason you started to explore NFTs? I wouldn't say that there is a direct correlation there. I decided to start exploring NFTs just because I became interested in the idea of crypto art. And I kind of was got the idea of crypto art became on my radar a couple months ago. Now, I don't know. I don't necessarily think there's there might be a correlation between the fact that like cryptocurrency, crypto art, all this stuff has taken significant strides forward during this pandemic where people have been sitting on their computers more than regular, uh, more than normally. But it wasn't for me a specific reason to get an NFTs. Right. Got it. Okay. Before we go too far into this, into the detail, can you explain for the listener and, you know, maybe you can make it more clear for me as well. What is an NFT? So NFT stands for non-fungible token. You know, the thing about NFTs is that if you are in the crypto space already, if you somehow own some Bitcoin or Ethereum or any cryptocurrency and you know a little bit about it, then understanding NFTs is a lot easier because you kind of already have that primer. If you don't know anything about cryptocurrency or the blockchain or blockchain technology, then understanding NFTs is a much bigger mental jump to understand. So if I was describing it to someone who really doesn't know anything about cryptocurrencies in the blockchain, I would say that uh, you need to know what the blockchain is to understand NFTs. The blockchain is most simply defined as a public ledger. It's as if you had a public ledger at a library, you know, if, if you want to really boil it down to that analogy, except that ledger is kept by thousands, if not millions of computers around the world. So that if it changes in one place, it changes in all places. And it's just basically a public record of things of transactions, of code. This is already getting a little deep. <laughs> but if it, once you understand that the blockchain exists, then an NFT is basically a serial number living on the blockchain. And if you own a non-fungible token, most simply you own the serial number of this digital item. Um, it's a little more complicated than that, but that's the basics of it. And so if I'm selling an NFT of one of my photographs, you're basically buying this very specific item that is not like any other item. It's a unique digital item. Right. So if I own an NFT, it actually means I have ownership, doesn't it? Like if I bought it, I'm now the owner of that digital product item code. Of the code, yeah. So basically in order to operate on any NFT space, you have to have a digital wallet which the digital wallet is what's connected to the blockchain. So you can find out what is in anyone's digital wallet in the world. You don't necessarily know whose is whose, but you know what's in it. And so when you purchase an NFT, that NFT goes into your digital wallet and everyone knows that the code that that NFT represents is in the wallet that it's in. And if you own that wallet, then you own it. Okay, I've got it. Okay, so like you said, it's cryptocurrency but for art exactly and the difference between cryptocurrency and non-fungible tokens is that cryptocurrency is fungible you don't care which specific bitcoin you have you just want a bitcoin but 
it matters which NFT you have. Like the NFT you have is different than the NFT I have. So that's the difference. That's the fungible of the non-fungible token. Cryptocurrency is fungible in that like a dollar is a dollar. It doesn't matter which dollar you have. That's a currency is fungible. But pieces of art, for instance, non-fungible. Okay. I want to get into more detail about that in a second because I've got some questions that I'm totally confused about. But again, I can already say, not to cut you off, Andrew, but I can already say this is probably very confusing to someone who's never heard of this before. And that's a big challenge of the space. Yeah, absolutely. It It is challenging. But to anyone that's in the space, to anyone that's in the space or knows a little bit about it, they, you know, it's like, and especially young people, it's second nature already. Right. I mean, I was doing a little bit of research on Google before, you know, we started recording and I was trying to wrap my head around this as soon as we teed up this interview. And one of the first things that comes up when I do a search for NFTs is by the artist Grimes, who, you know, has sold a piece just now, just recently, it looks like, for um, $388,938. There you go. You know, Mm. and it's like, it looks like a video slash gif which just blows my mind that it's sold for that and i'm guessing there's hundreds or thousands of examples like that is this the kind of you know money or territory that you're dealing in no definitively no and it's not the money or territory that most people are dealing in right you're talking about artists and objects that basically go viral and it's a very unique marketplace and space because the friction is so high to get it. No old money is in it. Nobody with, you know, millions and millions of dollars that made it more than 10 years ago is, is really in the space. It's all crypto millionaires. It's all people who were early on the cryptocurrency bandwagon. And now they're the people with this capital and they're buying things that they're interested in. So for the most part, things that are selling for lots of money, like what you just said for $300,000, it needs to be a smash hit in the crypto community for the most part. So my NFT sold for a couple hundred dollars, you know, I three, $400, something like that. But you know, the things you're seeing in the space going for millions and millions of dollars, it's not my taste of art personally, but that's not why I'm interested in it. You know, I think to break it down even more simply, and it would have been nice to lead with this off if, uh, if you want to edit that around, like, In order to understand NFTs, you have to get your head around the idea that people are valuing digital-only objects as much as they would value a physical object. That's where things are going, where kids who are, you have have a teenager, right? Yes. Are you a bit older, but yes. Right. So I'm not sure about their age, but if they're into video games, they'll pay good money for specific items that only live in video games. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So that's kind of an extension of that. That's what this is, an extension of that. So that's one reason why this is the future is that young people will find very little difference between an object existing in the digital space and existing in the physical space. It's really hard to wrap your head around that if you grew up in the non-digital world, even like I did. I grew up in the transitional world where I'm 35. So, you know, the internet was a thing when I was a teenager, but not before that. So it's even hard for me to wrap my head around it. But that's how younger people view the world. So therefore, that's why these objects, I think, are so valuable to these people, to people right now, is because they're already there. Right. First of all, that was a great example because although my kids aren't into the video games like you described, I know of other kids, families, friends of mine with kids 
And what they're doing, they'll purchase items in the video game to make their character, their persona look different, have different weapons. Yep. They'll buy different knives. Even though it doesn't give them any more ability, it's purely for the look. And it blows my mind that they, they spend their pocket money buying this stuff, but that's the reality of today. Yes. Crazy. And so that's that's all you need to know about people coming up <laughs> is, that, is that that's the way they're thinking already. But the real thing that interests me about NFTs is the ability to prove ownership of something. And that's why I think this space is so valuable to photography and to the world at large, is that the way the blockchain works is there's no forgery. There's no such thing as you being able to us both being able to own the same thing because we have our own unique wallets and it can only live in one. I mean, it's a little more complicated than that. It actually can live in a couple on purpose, but for all intent and purposes, that's the point. And so anything that deals with ownership, whether it's property or owning art or owning copyright, all of these things are going to be tied to the blockchain and smart contracts in the future. It's just where it's going uh, because it's, more efficient and cheaper eventually, not yet, and removes third parties from the process of these transactions. So that's why I'm excited is I see that my business and basically almost any business that involves transaction or proof of ownership is going in the direction of where the NFT technology is right now. Love it. Okay. I want to dive more into the relationship between photography and NFTs and the way you're doing this in just one second. But to be clear again, for me and the listener, do I need to use cryptocurrency to purchase an NFT or can I use actual money? Well, the the problem lies in your question, Andrew, because if you talk to someone who's into cryptocurrency, they say cryptocurrency is money, is yeah. actual money. <laughs> <laughs> so you need to get past the mindset of the question to even get there, honestly. I know, I know that's a little weird to say, but the short answer to your question is no, you can't buy an NFT with a credit card right now. Okay. You need to buy cryptocurrency. There is friction. There is there is friction and a hurdle and a learning curve to getting into this space. But I can say pretty definitively that those things are going to go away. I don't necessarily know how. I'd be a much richer man if I did. But, <laughs> uh, but I do know they're going to go away uh, because it's incentivized. People are going to make a lot of money by making that friction go away. So you need to be able to buy cryptocurrency, specifically right now, Ethereum in order to get into the NFT marketplace. It's not easy, but I recommend people trying because that's a great, the way I learned everything I'm talking to you about right now is by doing this. Sure. So would my question made more sense to you and someone that's more familiar you know, with this world if I had said, can I buy an NFT with Australian dollars or US dollars? I mean, the answer is no. No, the answer is no. That's right. But is that a better worded way to ask that question? I guess so. I mean, I think that it's kind of like asking, like, when I go to America, can I use euros? Right. I can, but only if I get them converted first. Yeah, you got to get them converted. Yeah, exactly. You got to convert them. I mean, maybe you can use euros, but, you know, you're, you're really just, you need a dollar. So if you want to go buy an NFT, for the most part, you need Ethereum. Got it. Got it. So the attractiveness for the photographer, I can see because we can actually, well, we have the art. And we can sell directly to the consumer. We don't need to be signed with a gallery. We don't need to have an agent. We can sell directly to the collector. And it's also attractive for the collector because they're not dealing with that middleman either. Is that the attractiveness of it? Absolutely. There's no middleman. It's the reason why I own the 
basically it's like a web address, ditmar.eth, which is is Ditmar Ethereum. Because I'm trying to give the consumer confidence that the art they're purchasing is coming from me. But as long as your collectors believe that the art they're purchasing is coming from you and that you own the wallet you say you own, then you undoubtedly own my art. You know, it just removes all potential aspects of forgery. You know, imagine if you could have an NFT tied to Picasso, like for every Picasso that there was that existed, no one would be able to forge anything because this is, again, it's kind of hard to explain, but the way the blockchain works is that when you create an NFT, when I create an NFT, it shows that it was created from my wallet and everyone whoever is on the blockchain can know that. And so therefore, if someone claims to own a photograph of mine, an NFT photograph of mine, but it came from a different wallet than what people know to be my wallet, then it's not from me. Right. So does that mean they've stolen it or they could have stolen it or they're committing a fraud if that was to happen? Yeah, they'd be committing, a, they'd be taking my images and making NFTs of them and trying to sell them from their wallet. But it'd be pretty easy to disprove that because if you're an artist of renown, like the most famous NFT artist right now is Beeple, you know, you could Google Beeple's wallet and <laughs> everyone would know what it is, the address. So then if you claim to have a Beeple artwork, but it's not from that wallet, then you, you don't just like, it's just yes or no. There's no potential of forgery. Right. Okay. I've still got some other questions relating to all this. Yeah. Let, let's see. I hope I'm not too confusing. I'm sorry. No, I know it's a little like it's a little out there. No, this is why I love it. I think this is so cool. And the fact that, you know, you you have experience in it, you're on both sides of the fence. This is awesome. It's so good. So talk to me about you and your NFTs. I mean, I guess do you just go back through your catalog and look for something that would be popular, or do you have to create brand new work that will become an NFT? I went back through the catalog. I mean, minting an NFT is, you know, you can make an NFT of anything. So a JPEG, for example. You can make an NFT of JPEG. You can make an NFT of a piece of paper. You can make an NFT is, like I said, again, you're stamping a digital serial number on anything. Right. You could make an NFT of a house. And that house could be physical or digital. There's digital houses out there that have sold for ridiculous amounts of money, which I really don't understand. But (laughs) there you go. So once again, you don't need to do something specific to quote unquote, make an NFT from an artistic perspective. It doesn't need to be a specific file type. It doesn't need to be a specific way of making it. All you're doing when you quote unquote, make the NFT, which is called minting, you're minting your item into the blockchain and you're creating a code that is irrevocably tied to it. And so my NFTs are primarily gifts and yeah, just gifts actually, all gifts. All gifts. So, okay, first of all, why gifts as opposed to a JPEG? Because I wanted to definitely cater to the space more as far as, you know, like I said before, the space is a really digital space and it's a really specific audience right now. And so a lot of my NFTs are my moving portraits, which are already shot in motion. So transferring that to a GIF and looping it was something that aesthetically pleased me. And then my straight portraits, I haven't sold, I haven't been selling any straight, like just JPEGs. I've been selling looped GIFs where my still images either have a splice in them of some sort that makes it unique to the NFT space, or there's some other element added in that kind of nods to the digital space that the art is living in. 
but you absolutely could mint a JPEG and just have it just be an image. Okay. And then, so for you, when you're creating, when you're minting your gifts, <laughs> I'm loving yeah, this. There you go. Terminology. You're on, you're on the train, Andrew. <laughs> you just, you're the first step. <laughs> okay. So when you're minting your gifts, are you looking for something, you know, are you going to go for your Tom Hanks portraits, for example, because he's going to be instantly recognizable? Are you looking for people to feature that other people are going to want to buy? Or is it purely from an artistic sense that you're selecting a particular GIF? I would say both. I would say both. I'm definitely trying to choose art that I feel is right for the space, for the application, you know, for where it's living. But I also want to choose art that I think people are going to want to buy and going to want to like. So I think it's a combination. I mean, if you go to my NFT gallery, which is on OpenSea, you can see what's there. There's some celebrities there. There's some non-celebrities there. It's a mixed bag. And I'm just trying to make something interesting and trying to get my art into the world and through this new medium, basically. I love it. Okay, so I'm on your homepage anyway. And there's, uh, you know, there's, there's a few gifts on here. I'm looking at one right now that's uh, Sisters uh, Gap. Yeah. So is this an NFT of yours? Yeah. Okay. So- no, 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 no. Hold on. You're on my web, my jessedimmer.com? Yes. No, no, no. You need to go to OpenSea. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yes, I'm over there now. OpenSea.io. Yeah. And then search Ditmar, just my last name, Ditmar. Got it. Okay. I'm looking at it now. Okay. So I can see Jodie Foster. So Jodie Foster yeah. oh, and Uma Thurman. Okay. Because I was going to say that's a JPEG, but actually it changes. It changes. Exactly. Okay. Let's talk about this one here. So the price of this is just under one US dollar. Is that right? Or no. is that Ethereum? Ethereum. So 0.9874 Ethereum, which means what in US dollars? Well, when I minted it, it meant about a thousand bucks, but Ethereum today is up to almost $3,500. So the price of the currency that would be purchasing that has almost tripled or doubled, more like it doubled since I minted that. So, you know, I'm selling it for, yeah, for basically under one Ethereum. And that's the thing. Again, it's funny, the space, it's really easy. And I understand why people are converting ethereum to dollars when they talk about it they want to talk about how much something's worth in dollars when they're talking about a a beeple sold for 69 million dollars because everyone knows what that means but for the most part the people that are buying this stuff think in ethereum they're like yeah i'll pay one eth for it i have a thousand eth one eth whatever you know that's the way that the majority of the market is thinking which is still kind of a little hard to wrap your head around right okay i'm with you here so while you've been explaining that, I just downloaded that GIF. So from your OpenSeed or from the OpenSea.io yeah. account. So now I have that GIF on my desktop. Yes. But it, but it, has, oh my, it has some value, but it doesn't have the same value as the NFT, does it? Google the Mona Lisa right now. Right. You can download that on your desktop too. Okay. I see what you're saying. So it's not the original. But a digital file to me, and I might be way off the market, is way different to a painted artwork because the digital art is the same on my computer as it is on yours. As we referenced earlier, and that's why I kind of started with this, is that that will no longer matter as much. Right. Because of the way 
that our world is changing. I mean, I have two young boys that are ages two and zero, and they will never know a world in which the internet doesn't exist in the way it is today and even faster. I mean, who knows what it's going to be like when they're 35? I, I have no idea. And so to them, owning a Beeple from 2021, the first year that he made NFTs, might be worth more than the Mona Lisa. <laughs> as crazy <laughs> as that sounds. Right. I mean, I know I sound a little silly, but it's just impossible to predict what people are, how people are going to value. As we've already said, there's real world examples of people valuing items that only exist digitally. You can take a screenshot of your friend's kids' video game skins and be like, I have the same skin. And they'll be like, but you don't. I have it. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just, this is the hardest part to wrap your head around, is that I agree with you. If you would have talked to me, not even five years ago, five months ago, I would have been, I would have said, Andrew, you're crazy. Of course, the Mona Lisa, like, I don't get it. People are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to own things that they can get on YouTube for free. That makes no sense. But then I've seen these marketplaces. I've seen people pay real money for them. And I've spoken to people who are way further in this hole than even I am. Because I'm, I'm literally just on the outskirts of it. And it's just obvious that even though you and I a couple months ago and the majority of the people in the world would agree with you, that's not what it's going to be like decades from now. And look, I can, I can totally see, like even, even now when I put the questions to you, I'm starting to, like, I can sense the shift and feel the shift in my own head because, and the Mona Lisa was a great example. So who wants to own a copy of the Mona Lisa? It's not the same as having the original. And really, now that I have this GIF of yours on my desktop, it's still not the real GIF. It's not the original. That's, <laughs> that's what I want to own, the original. I get it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so let's stay with the Jodie Foster, Uma Thurman GIF, your crypto art. You've got the GIF. It's yours. How do you make it into one of these pieces of crypto art? Do you have to register it? Do you have to be registered with an account? Yes. Short answer, yes. Basically, there's a lot of different work. As we talk about this, the problems with the space will become apparent. There are a lot of different marketplaces for NFTs. There's the one I'm on, OpenSea. There's Rarible. There's Mintable. There's literally handfuls, if not dozens of them. So there's no one centralized place that everyone goes to which is a big problem. Now you have to get on one of these places. I chose OpenSea specifically because the cost to the artist to mint is low compared to other places. And so the cost for me to get up and running was relatively low compared to some other places. There's higher hurdles at other places. But yeah, you have to open an account. You have to have a digital wallet. You have to have Ethereum in that digital wallet. And you have to pay for your art to get minted, which basically means you're paying for computers to put your code on the blockchain saying that this piece of art is on the blockchain and then it's yours. That's a very simplified way of saying that. Got it. Okay. Jesse, is that a set fee or is it a percentage of what you price your NFT at? So that's what I like about OpenSea is that it's a set fee. It's actually free to mint, which is great. On OpenSea, you can make NFTs 
for free, kind of, a big asterisk there. But they charge a one-time fee to sell your item. So um, I forget how much it was. The whole thing was like a couple hundred dollars for me to figure out. I had someone, my friend Sam, who's even, he's like a crypto investor guy. He kind of helped guide me through the process. So if you know anyone who knows more about this stuff than you out there in the world, you know, ask them to help because it'll save you a ton of time and will provide a much shallower learning curve. But it does cost a couple hundred bucks to get the whole thing set up. And it does take a couple days to get everything kind of set up. I don't know the laws down in Australia with regards to cryptocurrency, but, you know, in America, uh, in New York, specifically where I am, it's not that easy to get cryptocurrency in the way that you need it for this. So rather than boring people with things they're already not understanding, I would say do your research. And if you know someone who can help guide you, try to find that person. If not, it's definitely attainable by yourself, Sure. but it's going to take a learning curve because you're kind of downloading this whole ecosystem that has existed for years now into your brain and trying to navigate it. And it's not easy. No, I get it. That's so good. And then with the pricing, your NFT, is that something like pricing your own photography? Like you would charge for a shoot? You come up with a price? Yeah, you can do whatever you want. I mean, that's the, one of the things about the NFT and the crypto and the blockchain space in general is that the whole sell of it is that there's no third party. There's no one telling you OpenSea, if you go read, you know, they're about OpenSea, they're very clear that like the art lives in your wallet and it goes to someone else's wallet. It never goes into OpenSea. They're a platform that's charging fees in order to make those transactions happen, but they never take ownership of the art or or you have to trust them in order for it to go through. Like it's simply called a yes or no, I forget what the, it's a, it's a yes or no computer equation where if the money goes through, you get the art. And if it doesn't go through, you don't. And so like, there's no third party that's telling you, you need to price it here. It's all up to you. Got it. So OpenSea is really just a catalog of different artists work. Yeah. It's a platform that's basically visually showing you what's in people's wallets and also facilitating the trade between the two wallets. Got it. That is essentially a smart contract. <laughs> Again, I feel like I'm getting a little too confusing for people who may not know what's going on. That's okay. I'm still with you. And if I'm with you, I'm sure the listener is too. So we're all good. Yeah. Let me ask you, have you actually sold any NFTs yet? Yeah. Yeah. My big push was I minted this uh, one of one NFT of Tom Brady, the American football quarterback who had just won the Super Bowl. And I put that up for auction and yeah, I sold that and it was great. I mean, Mark Cuban bid on it, which was so cool. And thousands of people viewed it that have never seen my work before. And I don't know, I had a handful of bidders bid on it and it went for like 0.2 ETH or something like that, which is, you know, not nothing, but I was excited that it was a proof of concept. Yeah. So that's about a thousand Australian dollars. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) That's so good. So can I now go in and look for that NFT of yours and see what it sold for and who bid it or how many bids were on it for how much? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you type in Dittmar Tom Brady, hopefully it comes up. I'm not physically doing that right now. so I Sure. That's okay. I'm just curious. So I can actually check the history of a piece of art or an NFT. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's the whole point. Okay. So And I can see who's owned it along the way, how much it's sold for, et cetera. You can see who bid on it. 
Yeah, right. And is it their real name or are they aliases? No, they're... Well, you're looking at the aliases that are on OpenSea, but if you click on the alias, I'm sure that you can see their wallet address. And that's the real thing. But yeah, no, you don't know the person, like their actual name, unless they want you to. It's also possible to find out. I mean, it's possible to find out people who owns what cryptocurrency wallet. It's just kind of like FBI stuff, you know, (laughs) hacker stuff. Got it. Okay, and you said something interesting there that caught my attention. You said this is a one of one. So what is that? You mean this is like a one and only piece? Yes. Like I'm saying to the community, to the NFT community, that I'm only going to mint this this one time. And I'm never going to mint that piece again. Okay, so hang on. This opens up another can of worms. So if you had this image and you didn't say that of Tom Brady, you could mint this same image over and over and over again? Yeah, totally. But that means if I bought the first one, that's not really an original piece because now the other ones are identical. It's again, if you want to go back to old school art, it's like buying a a juror print from Germany. You know, how many did he make? 5,000? You know, they're not worth as much as the painting, as the Mona Lisa. It's just a different edition size, you know? Okay. So this is like a limited edition. It's a limited edition. And yeah, the community needs to trust that I'm not going to dilute the value of that because i could i could physically even though i said i wouldn't go do that but i'm not going to right okay so this nft that you sold if that's the right terminology yeah this one of tom but this is a jpeg this one this one isn't a gif is that right no it's a gif it has a really quick splice and a reset there so he's won seven super bowls so it's seven jpegs that are transitioning in and out of each other in the gift form. And then after the seventh one comes up, it splices in this kind of static frame with the number seven in there. It's really subtle. It's really fast. But I wanted to keep the essence of the original artwork intact. It's a photograph, photographed on film, on Ilford film, scanned digitally, and it's supposed to be a still photograph. So I didn't want to really go away from that too much. But I wanted to nod at the space and therefore I changed my process a bit up and up a bit and then what you see is what you get. Got it. Okay, I'm looking at it now. So first of all, I was looking at a news article which happened to be <laughs> released on the 1st of April, April Fool's Day, which I thought, wow, that's that's ironic. <laughs> and now I've actually found the real one. It is. It's super subtle. And I can see now that this particular NFT is owned by ECE09F. So I assume that's a person somewhere down the line. I would hope so. I mean, well, I guess, I don't know. Maybe it could be, I, yeah, <laughs> maybe it's a robot. <laughs> <laughs> that's unreal. I, I, I'm just joking. I, I don't think that robots have crypto wallets yet. No, 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 that's fine. But uh, who knows? That could definitely happen. Because when I click on that person's, um, they've got a clickable username there, it comes up as unnamed. So I don't know who it is. Yeah, but because they've not named it. But you probably can see what other nfts they own if they own other nfts yeah i can i can see a few i'm not sure if these are ones they own or ones they're selling but i can see some other things in their account well that's the thing if you own it you can sell it they could sell my brady if they wanted they own it that's the idea if it's in your wallet you own it okay and then if that person let's say that person sells it for double what you sold it for do you still get a cut down the line of what they sell it for i do that's another great part of this is i do it's built into the smart contract of the item that if they resell it, I believe I get 10% of that sale. I'm not exactly sure what the cut is. 
you can set the cut. You can set the cut to what you want it to be. Okay, so let's say, for example, in 10 years' time, that sells for $10 million. It looks like I got a million bucks, Andrew. That's pretty cool. A million dollars may not be worth what it is today, but it's still pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) This is awesome. Now, the other interesting thing that I stumbled across is that you still own the copyright of this image, even though you've minted an NFT and sold it. That's right too, isn't it? Absolutely. Again, let's go back to art. When you buy someone's painting, you know, let's say you buy somebody's painting and it's it's an edition of one of one or one of 10 or whatever, you don't own the copyright to that painting. You can't go take a picture of that painting and put it on a t-shirt and sell it. It's the same thing here. It's basically a digital art gallery. You're taking the art off the wall in the digital space and putting it into your own space, but you don't own the copyright. And I mean, you could if that's what's up for sale, you know, you could if you wanted to sell that, but it's not implied. Okay, so with this particular NFT that you minted of Tom Brady, you could have sold the copyright with the NFT, which I presume would make it a lot more valuable. I could have, but I didn't want to. <laughs> no, 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 I totally understand why you wouldn't and why you didn't, but you could have. Could have. Very cool. Awesome. That's the thing with NFTs, Andrew, you can literally do, that's what I'm talking about. It can be a legal contract. You can write it into the smart contract, you know, anything you want, and we could have put it in the NFT in the code saying, okay, I'm selling this NFT as well as the original copyright or whatever terms you want. It's just all part of the technology. Right. And then, so you have your NFTs listed on OpenSea.io. So do you then purposely or strategically try and drive traffic to these NFTs to try and get sales? Or you know, do you advertise and market these things? I am just starting to make it part of my workflow where... When I put up a new piece on Instagram of a new shoot, uh, for instance, I just photographed Andrew Yang, the U.S. presidential candidate last year and now the mayoral candidate for New York City, who's very popular here. And when I came out with my portrait of him, I said, "Okay, here's my work of Andrew. And also you can purchase this as an NFT at this link. So this segues into a really great topic of conversation, which I'm sure you would have asked me in a second, which is. This is not a money-making scheme for people right now. This is a, for me, at least, I'm not trying to, it could be in the future, and I'm not rolling that out, but I'm not trying to replace any specific revenue with the NFT space. I'm just excited to be in this space because it's where we're going, and I want to be in now. Because when it becomes a money-making place, I'll already have been there. When the NFT and cryptocurrency and smart contracts become the place where your contracts for your copyright and for reselling your images and licensing your images becomes the place that you need to do that at, I'll have already been there. Right. And that's what I'm really excited about. Yeah, I get that. That makes total sense. So I'm curious then, let's say, uh, let's see Andrew Yang here as an example. I'm looking at his portrait right now, which you shot on film. So let's say he commissioned you for this shoot and he now has usage rights can he create an nft from those files or is there in your contract that says no you can't but i can so this is when you're going to get into territory of just very dependent on the situation dependent on the country dependent on the specific contract in the united states unless you specifically sign away your copyright you own it and no one else does so unless mr yang licensed my images from me 
to specifically make an NFT. If he made it, I could sue him. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I wouldn't, but I would say, hey, don't do that. (laughs) But, uh, but, uh, you know, so it's just in the U.S. And again, this has to go back to what we were talking about before with the way that the blockchain and cryptocurrency and NFT space operates is that that's all kind of irrelevant in that space. What matters in the space is that people believe that you are the person that created it. Again, I could go and take a Beeple off the internet, like you took my work off my website and then mint it and try to sell it, but no one would buy it because they would know that I'm not Beeple because I don't have Beeple's wallet address and the NFT didn't come from there. So if Andrew Yang tried to sell my work as his NFT, people would assume that he has the right to do that, but he doesn't, and therefore I would be able to kind of go take legal action. This is not happening, by the way. This is just a hypothetical. No, 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 purely an example. So really then, if I want to invest and buy an NFT, I have to do my due diligence too before I put my money down Yes. to know that I'm buying it from the rightful owner. Yes, and that's also why it's so hard. That's why there's no get rich quick in this space right now, especially for unknown artists. You know, people who are popular in this space have been in this space for a long time. And or they have a huge, massive cult of personality and following and jump into the space like a Jack Dorsey, the guy who invented Twitter, sold his first tweet. And I don't think he was selling and buying NFTs before that. But, you know, he just easy, easy peasy idea there. So but if you're an unknown, it's not like you're going to get into this space, put up your first NFT and be like, oh, where's my hundred thousand dollars? <laughs> it, it's just not going to happen. It's the same as anything. It's the same as building an audience through an art gallery. It's the same as building a client base through my editorial portrait work or through my advertising work. It takes work and people need to believe in you and believe in your art and believe that what they're purchasing holds value or else they just won't purchase it. Yeah, that makes sense. So please, please, Jesse, do not take offense at this question because it's not the way I'm intending it. But with your NFTs, surely, well, I'm guessing that the more popular ones are going to be the ones where the the subject is recognizable to the buyer. Is that a fair thing or not? I mean, probably, but I don't have enough data on selling NFTs yet to determine what's popular and what's not. It's it's a similar question to asking, you know, what prints are you going to put up in the gallery wall for sale and what's going to sell of those? You know, it's it's difficult for me to say. I mean, my line of thinking is, okay, if you're an established artist, you know, you're generating a good income from your art, it's going to be more easy or it's going to be easier for that artist to sell NFTs. Yes. But for a photographer, they're going to have to produce work that is somewhat recognizable to the buyer as something that's worth collecting. Is that fair? Yeah, it's like selling anything. You have to make it attractive to the people you're trying to sell it to. They have to want it. So, you know, do people with big famous artists have legs up? Absolutely. Famous photographers that have gone into the NFT space after me that I'm sure have had more monetary success because they're larger names than I am. And that goes down the line. I'm sure that some of your listeners who don't have as an established name as I do in the space will have a harder time than the amount of eyeballs I was able to get on my work. It's just the way it works. But that shouldn't deter you from, in my opinion, 
exploring the space, I think that it's something to wrap your head around. I agree. I agree. So continuing on from what you just said, which makes total sense to me, it would make total sense for someone like Annie Leibovitz to start creating NFTs. Yes. And to push that further, I think that in the near future, when you buy an Annie Leibovitz print, you are going to want the NFT to accompany it. You're going to want the digital NFT to accompany the physical print because the digital NFT is going to truly prove authenticity and ownership more than the physical object because the physical object can be copied and forged, but the NFT cannot. Right. So then do you see in the future, I don't even know if this is a, a real thing right now, but is there any way to display a GIF in a home or in, in an office? That's the thing. I'm sure there is, but not that I know of personally that is practical and or aesthetically pleasing to me. And that's why with my NFTs specifically, I also sell them in conjunction with physical prints. Like the person who bought the Tom Brady, they haven't done so yet, but they unlocked a code phrase and a contact information to contact me to get a signed print of that image with the NFT. So that's what I think is going to happen and is already happening. I mean, right now, the Golden State Warriors basketball team in America are selling uh, championship digital rings, but also including a physical ring. <laughs> so they can be tied to physical objects. Okay. All right. So then, so let's say I was to buy the Jodie Foster Uma Thurman NFT that you have for sale. Yeah. Then I could potentially have a print of each of those women and I have them displayed in my home. Do you see me then putting something either on the front or the back of that print to say, I also own the NFT, which actually gives those prints more value? If you want. You know, this is all hypothetical. It's all the future, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would want to do that to show that I have ownership. Yeah. Well, no, the thing is you could, maybe you could do that if you wanted to. But in my opinion, it's kind of like that like BS certificate of authenticity you got when you got a signed rugby ball from a famous sports person. It's the foolproof version of that. So when you want to sell my prints or when you pass them on, you have to also pass on the NFT or those prints significantly degrade in value because they could just be prints. They're not part of this unique NFT edition. Yeah, I love that. Okay, that's cool. That authenticity part, that's a big piece of the puzzle for me. I think that's what adds that value. That's what I love about it. <laughs> this really is amazing. I mean, I can see this makes total sense for you and the genre and space that you work in. Do you see you know, wedding and domestic portrait photographers, you know, getting into this space as well? Or is that already happening? My guess is that very few wedding photographers are going to sell NFTs of their images. However, you are going to see in the future, the contract that you used to sign that was a PDF that you would have the wedding participant sign that says, I'm going to give you X and you're going to give me Y. That's going to be a smart contract on the blockchain. And that's the same thing as an NFT. And so whether or not they sell their work as NFTs to the people that they, they basically are. Their smart contract is saying, hey, I'm the photographer that shot your wedding. When I send you the images digitally, automatically your wallet sends me the cryptocurrency digitally and then we're done. And that's what happened. And there's no, it's irrevocable. So that's how I think a lot of photographers who are not, 
selling famous artworks are going to interact with this technology. And that's why I would recommend everyone to get in on it now, because even myself, I mean, listen, this is not financial advice. Please be, (laughs) please be responsible with your money. But the Tom Brady I sold was 0.2 ETH. When I sold it, that was worth like half of what it is now today because of how much Ethereum has gone up in value. And it's just going to, in my opinion, whether it's Ethereum or Bitcoin or whatever, I can't tell you which cryptocurrency is going to win out, but it's going to be cryptocurrency. That's what you're going to get paid in the future. It might be a fiat cryptocurrency, you know, Australian dollar crypto run by the government, but it's going to be cryptocurrency. So getting a dipping your toe into space in any way, whether it's getting a digital wallet, just getting the smallest amount of cryptocurrency you can get, even though it's going to probably charge you more in fees than it is for the cryptocurrency in your wallet is worth it because I'm telling you in five, 10 years from this interview, maybe even sooner, that's how people are going to be transacting. Right. This has been mind-blowing and eye-opening for me. It really, <laughs> really has, Jesse. You've been amazing. Is there anything glaringly obvious that I haven't asked you that you're thinking, he hasn't asked me this and the listener is going to want to know this? You know, I would just, again, say, I understand that for people who have never heard of NFTs before this conversation, they probably already have checked out. (laughs) This is a hard thing to wrap your brain around. It was hard for me to wrap my brain around. I'm I'm like a different person now than I was six, seven months ago when I first started getting into this. And so if this sounds crazy, I get it. I get you. I get you, person, listen, audience, person that's listening. I understand you because I thought it was crazy, too. But it's not. <laughs> and, uh, you know, open your brain a little bit. Try to get into the space a little bit. Just tiptoe in. Whether that's going on, I don't know if you guys have Robinhood, probably not in Australia, but just buying $10 worth of crypto to see how it fluctuates up and down to understand that people are really selling and buying this stuff. Uh, I would recommend people to just get into the space. And frankly, if you're an art collector, whether you're a photographer that's trying to sell your art, or just someone who enjoys photography, enjoys art, there's so many good artists in this space right now that are dirt cheap, uh, that you could collect art that you love. That's cool. I think one of the other big things for the listener to do that is still unsure about all this is go and have a chat to your kids or your friends' kids about oh, the yeah. computer games. Like that's, that's where it went, like, wow, that was, that was eye-opening for me. You'd be amazed. Anyone listening out there with someone who's got a, I would assume a child that is above the age of 14, but certainly a late teenager, they'll roll your eyes if you ask them, like, tell me about cryptocurrency and NFTs. They'll be like, oh, come on, that was so four months ago. (laughs) (laughs) You know, oh, it's it's way dated now, now that it's popular and mainstream. I mean, I had some kid come up to me on the street when I was photographing Andrew Yang and was like, oh, I heard you talking about NFTs. And this kid is 16, 17, he's sort of, Talking about NFT is like, it's no, you know, it's one of those things where you're like crazy kids these days, yet I'm not that much older than them. <laughs> well, you do know <laughs> you're making a lot of listeners feel very, very old in this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know, which is just get on it. Just give it a try. Give it a try. Jesse, uh, you are a superstar, mate. You've been amazing in this and you've been so patient with my questions and amazing at answering them. Where's the best place for listeners to see more of your work? I'm going to link to everything you've mentioned. But where's the best place to start? 
Well, if you want to just see what my work's all about, check out my website. It's jessedittmar.com. It's my portfolio of stuff. But the best place to find out what I'm doing in my new work and in my life and behind the scenes and how I make art is to follow me on Instagram for sure, which is those are the two best places. Excellent. I'll add links to those also to your NFT. Uh, do I call it your account or your OpenSea account? My NFT gallery. Your NFT gallery. Okay, I'll link to that as well and anywhere else I can find you online. Jesse, mate, again, massive thanks for coming on and sharing everything you have. It's been a real pleasure for me. It's always great to talk to you, Andrea. Let's do it again sooner rather than later. Absolutely. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jesse as much as I did. I hope your mind is blown <laughs> like mine was, is. And I do hope you got a ton from what he had to share. If you are listening, Jesse, again, massive thanks for coming on, sharing everything you did. Really do appreciate you stepping me through the process for, for both me and the listener to get a good handle of how all this works. So again, mate, massive thanks. Really do appreciate you taking the time to do that. For you, the listener, yeah, look, I'd love to hear your feedback on this one. What do you think about NFTs? Is it a space that you would explore? Are you motivated to go and learn more about it after hearing what Jesse suggested? Let me know your thoughts, and I'm sure Jesse would love to know them too. One thing I didn't mention at the top of the show was that I have examples of everything we just talked about in the show notes for this episode. So you can see examples of Jesse's NFTs that we were discussing in the show notes for today's episode, whether you listen to the premium or the free version of the podcast. Now, if you are listening to the free version, if you head over to photobizx.com forward slash 419, you'll find the show notes. You'll see examples, like I'm just talking about there, of Jesse's NFTs. You'll also find a list of links to anywhere and everywhere that Jesse mentioned during the interview. It's all there in that one spot. You'll also find a comments area at the very bottom if you do have a follow-up question for Jesse. And if you are listening to the premium version of the podcast, so you're a premium member, Jesse is already part of our premium members Facebook group. So you can hit him up there if you have a follow-up question. We just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing what you did. I'll make sure that he sees those or you can feel free to tag Jesse in those questions or comments. And of course, in your version of the show notes, you'll find examples of his work there as well. You're listening to the number one photography business podcast with Andrew Helmich, photobizx.com. Earlier, I mentioned that personal branding photographer, Paula Brennan, is kicking off her mentoring program. It's called Breakthrough. And this will be perfect for you if you are looking at getting into personal branding photography or you want to grow your personal branding photography business fast with her help. And there's every chance you'll want that if you heard Paula's interview a few weeks ago. Definitely go back and have a listen to that one if you are in that personal branding space. Now, this program that Paula has put together is not cheap, but you have a lot of access to her throughout the program. You can learn more about it over at photobizx.com forward slash breakthrough. And if you are a premium member, I can organize a $400 rebate if you do want to sign up for Paula's mentoring program. So if you do sign up, use the link that I have in the show notes or photobizx.com forward slash breakthrough. Send me your receipt and I'll also need your PayPal email address so I can organize that $400 rebate. So it'll come off the the total cost of the mentoring package or course or program with Paula. 
and that's available for premium members only. Obviously, if you're listening to the free version of the podcast, the mentoring program is also open to you. You just don't get that $400 rebate like premium members do. So I've got links in the show notes and you'll also find more information at photobizx.com forward slash breakthrough. Alrighty, that is it for this episode of the podcast. I hope you got a ton from what Jesse had to share. I hope your head is spinning like mine was. And I really am looking forward to your feedback following this one. Alrighty, wherever you are in the world, stay safe and well. Have a fantastic week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. If you have enjoyed this episode, head to photobizx.com. Join the conversation, leave a comment and share your thoughts on the interview with Andrew and today's special guest. Listen, the way I got into this was this thing called NBA Top Shots, which is just basically NFTs of of gifts of plays in the NBA that you could search on YouTube. And people were paying hundreds and then thousands of dollars for them. And I was saying, what the heck is this? <laughs> and then I went on it and I bought some. And I was like, oh, I bought this thing for $5. I'll sell it for 20 and then the whole space blew up a couple of weeks later. And some of the things that I bought for 20 bucks were worth thousands of dollars. It was crazy. It was crazy. And then I was seeing with my own eyes, oh my God, people are paying for this thing that I own. <laughs> like, wow. And so before, when I first heard about it, I was like, why would you pay all this money for a YouTube clip? But as we just explained in the podcast, it's more than a YouTube clip now. It's an NFT. That's so cool. It's amazing. I'm going to go and talk to Linda, my wife, about it, and she's just going to roll her eyes and go, what are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then your son in a couple of years is going to be like, hey, guys, I need to transfer. Uh, we need to get a smart contract in place for some inheritance or whatever, like, because <laughs> wills are no longer going to exist. <laughs> That's true. Yes. I mean, yeah, where this is going to go is mind-boggling. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. It's hard to wrap your brain around.